and welcome to episode 10 of the Video Chat Podcast. This is a podcast in which we review, reminisce on and reconnect with some of our favourite music videos. My name is Lauren and I'm joined as always by my friend Una. Hi! And this week we are taking a slightly different spin. We're going to take a look at some songs that are most well known for being part of some big movie soundtracks. So I will be talking about Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith. And what song will you be talking about, Anna? Oh, what other song is there? <laughs> Celine Dion, My Heart Will Go On. <laughs> this well, is like... You, if, did you have a CD of that that you burned a, a hole in at the time or something? Oh, Christ <laughs> almighty, I had the single, I had the movie soundtrack, I had Celine's album, I had the second uh, Titanic soundtrack, Back to Titanic. If this fell oh, the person, I would have a, remiss, a restraining order out yeah. on me. I'm not even joking. <laughs> Oh, I feel like dear. if this was like, you know, it's kind of like the X Factor, Strictly Come Dancing, you know, it's movie week. Yeah. <laughs> Very That's that. where we're at, guys. Mm-hmm. But like two big songs in their own right as well, just uh, oh, yeah. mag- magnified, I would say, by the movies mm-hmm. that they were involved with, probably. Oh, yeah. I think it just goes to show like how a film can be questionable, virgin on shit. But the song can mm-hmm. save the day. Well, very well. Yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, no, I think the, I think the film Titanic stands on its own, and I'll defend it till my dying breath. Oh, no, Titanic. Um, no, I, I I wouldn't say it. Shit. To be fair, like I, I haven't watched it in a few years, but like the last time I did watch it, I still bawled my eyes out. Like mm. practically needed, you know, a round of counselling afterwards. The emotional mm-hmm. trauma was was quite substantial. And I yeah. thought, no, I can't, I can't put myself through that film for another few years now, yeah. at least. So <laughs> yeah, because when we were we were like eleven, twelve when it came out, and mm-hmm. you know, at the time it was all about the love story. But now, as you get older, you know, you're you're thinking about like class systems and societal mm-hmm. pressures and poverty and opportunity, and that's what you get emotional about. Yeah, fuck the romance. Uh, he never stood a chance, Lauren. He was never no. getting on that on that no. wardrobe door. No harm done. Never, never. Happen. Um, whereas uh, my song I'm talking about is obviously for the movie Armageddon, and uh, like I always laugh. Like this is a podcast about movies that you haven't watched. I don't think I've ever watched Armageddon. To be fair, <laughs> so I think I've seen it <laughs> once, and it came out around the same time as Deep Impact. Like right. there was kind of like a bit of a war at the box office for disaster mm-hmm. movies. Oh, and I've a better memory of Deep Impact than I do of Armageddon. Mm. But I know what, what happened in Armageddon or what the whole gist is. Yeah, from from the synopsis, I did think maybe I should watch this. And I haven't bothered yet. It wasn't on Netflix, to be fair. Otherwise, I might have. But um, mm-hmm. it doesn't really sound like it's, you know, it's not exactly an Oscar winner, to be fair. Will you say as well that... Um, Obviously, we have a lot of ground to cover with these two in certain oh, ways. Yes, um, there's there's real potential that this could be a two-parter. Mm-hmm. So if whenever you're listening to this, you see a part one, you'll know why, because we couldn't stop talking. Yeah. Um, we're trying to sort of manage, like, what's an enjoyable amount of time, what's, you know, the right amount of information, and also for the two of us not to feel, like, you know, like we're being rushed, because for all yeah. you know, we could be listening to diehard fans out there who... Who want a really indulgent <laughs> hour of Armageddon and Aerosmith, mm-hmm. uh, and the same with Titanic and Celine. So, so yeah, just you know, buckle in, guys. Pour yourselves a drink. Don't get in the car and drive straight after. 
mm-hmm. you know, do this, do this at a time when it's safe for you and it's convenient. And let's all enjoy ourselves. Grab some popcorn. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll see how long we have uh, dedicated to Aerosmith here. So I'll, I'll get stuck in for... I Don't Want to Miss a Thing is a power ballad performed by Aerosmith for the soundtrack of the sci-fi disaster film Armageddon, which was released in 1998. So the song, it was released in America on the 18th of August, 98, and slightly later in the UK on the 31st. And this is actually apparently one of four songs that Aerosmith performed for the movie. So the other three are What Kind of Love Are You On?, Come Together and Sweet Emotion. And I genuinely don't think I've heard any of them. So clearly we're not (laughs) advertised on the same scale as this one. Mm -mm. So I'll rewind a bit then to, uh, you know, who are Aerosmith. So they are an American rock band and they were formed in Boston in 1970. And the group consists of Stephen Tyler on vocals, Joe Perry and... Brad Whitford on guitar, Tom Hamilton on bass, and Joey Kramer on drums. Their style is mostly blues-based, hard rock, but they also have like pop rock elements, some heavy metal and some glam metal as well. Uh, apparently, they're sometimes referred to as the bad boys from Boston, <laughs> which is a real cheesy nickname. <laughs> and like Amer- uh, the Backstreet Boys of rock? Yeah, yeah, similar and uh, America's Greatest Rock and Roll Band. The primary songwriting duo of the group were Steven Tyler and Joe Perry, and apparently they were known as the Toxic Twins. Uh, They were given that name in the 70s due to their rampant drug use, both on and off stage. (laughs) Oh, well, what are you doing on stage, mate? Just snorting away in front of... Must have been. I mean, you wouldn't get that at a gig these days. Uh, and together they have written over 85 songs and they were actually inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame in 2013. So the band is the best-selling American rock band, hard rock band of all time. And apparently they've sold more than 150 million records worldwide. They've had 25 gold, 18 platinum and 12 multi-platinum albums. And they also hold the record for the most total certifications by an American group. They have achieved 21 top 40 hits on the US Hot 100 and nine number one mainstream rock hits, four Grammy Awards, six American Music Awards and 10 MTV Video Music Awards. I so, expect the more Grammys for how long we've been around, to be honest. I know, considering what, what, fifth, is that, oh my God, is that 50 years, 70 to 20, 21? Good God, 51 years. Yeah, yeah. you'd think four would be uh, quite a small amount of Grammys for that length of time mm. but I don't know I suppose there's a lot of rock bands come and go in 51 years don't they and there's always someone else going to be big at the time mm. yeah I mean like I suppose they could say just having the one was enough you know so. yeah uh, Aerosmith were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2001 and were ranked number 57 and number 30, respectively, on Rolling Stone and VH1's lists of 100 greatest artists of all time. And last year, then in 2020, they received the Music Hairs Person of the Year Award 
which is basically a charitable version of the Grammys, it would seem. And oh. so awards them for both like their, their artistry as a group and their, their philanthropy, so like their charitable work as well, hmm. which is nice to know. So I knew that Steven Tyler, singer of Aerosmith, um, I knew that he had a bit of a strange sort of early relationship with his daughter Liv. And uh, I thought I would have a look about that, seeing as they're both featured in the video for this song. And uh, fell into a bit of a, a rabbit hole then about Stephen Tyler's love life as a result. So I'll share a bit of that here because, you know, interesting to say the least. Mm. So in 1975, when Stephen Tyler was 27 years old, he obtained guardianship of a 16-year-old girl who I'll, I'll not name. Apparently her name's out there, but I'll, I'll say nothing. Uh, so he obtained guardianship of the 16-year-old so that she could move in with him in Boston. And I don't they, like the way this is going yeah, already. And they dated and took drugs together for three years. Well, that's not <laughs> very protective. Really, it's not. Uh, there's an Aerosmith's autobiography called Walk This Way. And in that book, the girl was referred to by pseudonym Diana Hall by the editor just to conceal her identity. But apparently her identity has been like confirmed and released since then. And uh, pressures leading to them breaking up included their age difference, a withdrawn marriage proposal, a house fire, and a planned pregnancy that resulted in an abortion when Stephen was worried that the smoke from the house fire, as well as their drug use, might lead to problems with the child. So, wow. Holy God. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that was hard... Uh, Hard straight off the top there. Um, I don't know. I used to think, I mean, up until you told me that story, I always thought he seemed kind of like, yeah, a, a real, like, a real, um, like, very much a performer. Not that that means anything, but I mean, mm. he's a judge on American Idol, and here mm. he is marrying and getting pregnant children that he essentially adopts. That's weird. Well, my take, maybe, maybe I'm glam- not glamorizing it. Maybe I'm. Describing oh. that a wee bit, uh, but you know. Well, I mean, it was described terms. in a very sanitized way online, and I still thought, "Good God, yeah. mighty, what is going on here?" Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Sixteen uh, obtained guardianship. They've got, like they've that's a like, glossed over, you know, phrase there. How the yeah. how on earth did this come about? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But there you go. That was a bit of a disaster for Stephen Tyler and the, that poor sixteen-year-old, mm-hmm. and. I was going to say after this, but kind of during this. So if he was with that young girl for three years, that was that takes us to 1978. But Steven Tyler in 1977 had a brief relationship with a fashion model called Baby Buell, and that resulted in a pregnancy, which was uh, his daughter, Liv Tyler, who then was born in 1977. And uh, so this Baby Buell that... Uh, had uh, the daughter with Stephen she actually was in a relationship with a a rock musician called Todd Rundgren from 72 to 79 Um, so obviously there was a bit of a you know fling in there with Stephen Tyler of Aerosmith where uh, this pregnancy occurred and she gave birth on the 1st of July 1977 to a baby girl and named her daughter Liv Rundgren and claimed that Todd was the biological father. So at this point, uh, apparently Todd and Baby had ended their romantic relationship, but he still signed the birth certificate and he acted as a father figure to live for her, her childhood. 
including paying for her education. And then it was around the age of 10 or 11 that Liv met Stephen Tyler and suspected that he was her father because she noticed a resemblance between her and Stephen's other daughter, Mia. And so when she then asked her mother about it, this is when the secret all was revealed and the truth came out about her paternity. But uh, this didn't actually become public knowledge then until 1991. And that's when she changed her surname uh, to Tyler. But she did keep Rundgren as a middle name. Uh, I think she still has quite a a good relationship with Todd, who, you know, brought her up throughout her childhood. And apparently then her mom's reason for claiming that Todd Rundgren was Liv's father um, was just because Stephen Tyler was so heavily involved in, in drugs at the time of the birth and she just wanted I suppose to protect her daughter from having that influence in her life growing up mm-hmm. so um, since Liv learned the truth about her dad she has developed a, a close relationship with Stephen Tyler as well so they first worked together professionally when she appeared in Aerosmith's music video for Crazy in 1993 so that's a pretty well known song and, weird uh, video as well Lauren I haven't seen it in a long time actually I just, I think, remember watching it. Obviously, uh, Alicia Silverstone's in that as well mm. from Clueless, and I think that's from a movie. But whenever I kind of made the connection that um, that was his daughter, I felt like it was kind of a weird. She plays quite like a sexualized role in the video or the right. movie with Alicia, and she's clearly mm. like a schoolgirl um, in the video. They, the two of them oh, kind Lord. of like run away from mm. school or play truant, and they go on some kind of a road trip and. Like I think it seems to like imply that whilst they're friends, like the the boundaries or you know the definition of this relationship is a bit blurred. Um, when we're thinking that's kind of weird. That's your daddy, and mm-hmm. that's and you're like pretending to strip on a pole. Weird. <laughs> but you know, after what you've told us so far, well, I'm you not know. really that surprised. <laughs> different strokes for different folks, you know. So that's certainly one way of putting it. Then, of course, they they've kind of worked together then. Uh, later on for this film Armageddon which Liv Tyler starred in and obviously Aerosmith performed this song for so if we go back to the song itself then it was originally written by uh, Diane Warren who actually envisioned it would probably be performed by like a, a diva power ballad singer like Celine Dion mm-hmm. or similar but um, it ended up in the hands of Aerosmith and they turned it into you know this huge hit that it became it debuted at number one on the US Billboard Hot 100, and it's actually Aerosmith's first and only number one single in their home country. Wow, um, so really, isn't that mad? Like, I think they've made it to number one on the American like rock charts, but like that's a separate thing, mm-hmm, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Whereas the Hot 100 yeah, is yeah, all yeah. genres like, of music. Special, yeah, mm-hmm. every song. Yeah. Um, I was in the car earlier, and it just so happens I just you know whenever like you can connect your phone to the car. Mm-hmm. And it'll just play a song, you know, randomly. Yeah. And mine was um, Dude Looks Like a Lady. Oh, um, yeah. And that is such a tune. Like, it is. I just, he has got, like, optimum rock voice. Like, mm-hmm. those vocals couldn't sing, like, couldn't do justice to any other genre. Like, he mm-hmm. just, he's so amazing. Like, I would love to see Aerosmith perform. Yeah. Um, but then I'd be scared that in my head it would be a lot more energetic from what you see in footage of music videos or anything mm. like that compared to what they're really like. Cause I remember I went to see Meatloaf in concert when I was in like first, <laughs> first or second year uni. 
because uh, I love Meatloaf and um, I honest to God thought he might potentially, you know, slip away during the concert. <laughs> like he was not, not in a great place. I thought oh really like he was giving it his all, but I was scared. Like, please don't give too much because, you know, we are going to have to see an ambulance <laughs> um, arrive to the venue shortly. So I, I kind of get that impression. Or one of our friends went to see Bob Dylan and was like, genuinely oh, yeah. thought he might die before the end of the set. So it's one of those <laughs> ones, like, because they're on a wee bit and yeah. like Rolling Stones. I just feel like, let's just, you know, I think it was like when I tried in a really clumsy way to sort of try to talk about how the legendary status of certain performers once they've died, because mm-hmm. we will, because they only, they were able to perform in their prime and uh and so we didn't see like a, a degeneration in their our you know skill set and how they perform and their abilities and all these kinds of things so they live in our mind as perfect in some way because we haven't seen like the way Whitney Houston's voice start to crack and mm. you know even the likes of like Mariah Carey you know the way you record a song can at times you can do as many takes as you want to get it perfect mm-hmm. but when you're doing it live it has to be you know if it's not going to be what people are hearing in the cds through mm-hmm. their ears in the car in the shower through the tv whatever on the radio um then it's shit do you know what i mean they can't do mm-hmm. it so i don't know i kind of feel like would Ar- aerosmith be like you know you'd be like oh i can't wait and then come out feeling a bit let down potentially i don't know i've just no, wanted to spun off on a tangent there Sorry. <laughs> you're okay no i think they're always it no matter who you go to see, there's always a risk. Like mm. one of our friends famously went to see Beyonce live and said it was absolutely shit. So, who? you know, you, you can't win over everyone. You can text me that name right now. It's You're I'll joking. I'll let it out. I'm not joking. I said it was shite. <laughs> I have to have words with her. Or was it was it Justin Timberlake? One of the two, or maybe both. He was great. I thought he was very good. Well, maybe. You know, Beyonce's Beyonce never let me down. Uh, never well, let me down. Yeah, you'll have to have words where about it. <laughs> I will, and I've seen her four times, and not once okay. has she let me down. <laughs> Anywho, Saz, can You're you put okay. over the names? I could try. Yeah, I could probably figure it out. Well, sorry, and here's B sitting on the throne like Lauren. <laughs> Leave it out. Sight. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Edit that out <laughs> or bleep over it. Bleep, 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 bleep. Uh, so where was that? The song stayed at number one for four weeks from the 5th of September to the 26th. And it also peaked at number one for multiple weeks in uh, several other countries, including Ireland, Australia and Norway. And in the UK, it reached number four and uh, sold over a million copies there at the time. So partly the inspiration for the song, um, writer Diane Warren was apparently watching an interview with James Brolin and Barbara Streisand. And uh, Brolin said that he missed Streisand when they were asleep. And she wrote down the words, I don't want to miss a thing. And that was sort of the inspiration for the song. I know that makes me want to put my head through this laptop, to be fair. I'm rolling my eyes. I'm also like, do I kind of wish someone would say that about me? Namely my yeah. life partner. Do you know what I mean? Like I was, I went to meet a friend today, like socially distanced meeting to get like, uh five guys um mm. takeaway and um I, I kind of said initially like let's get five guys and she was like brilliant and then I said here I'm gonna shoot here five guys we can go somewhere else and she said 
do you know what? I don't care as long as I get to see you. Oh. And I was like, God, I'd love my husband to say that to me. <laughs> Under duress, maybe. Uh, no, I know the feeling. <laughs> JK, love you. <laughs> so, um, yes, that was the inspiration, apparently, for this song. And uh, obviously it then ended up becoming part of the, the movie Armageddon. And Armageddon is about an asteroid that's going to destroy Earth and wipe out mankind. And so, you know, Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck and some other boys have to try and go into space and blow up this asteroid from the inside before it's too late. So it sounds, you know, really believable, to be fair. I can't remember, Laura, I know you haven't seen the film, but is the aim that you're not going to die in this process, by the way, when we're setting off these um, bombs on the uh, on the asteroid? Oh, that's or the aim. Is it that, guys, you're basically sacrificing yourself or whenever it becomes time to think, actually, like, we're screwed here. We're going we're gonna to have to take one for the team. Well, it's... it's uh, I think it becomes it? a like, take one for the team scenario, potentially, yeah, unless you've you know, read otherwise. The best laid plans sort of thing. So mm-hmm. it's all, oh, yeah, we'll go up, we'll do this, that'll be it. Done and dust it, but nothing goes to plan. And, uh, mm. you know, tragedy ensues sort of thing. Yeah, taking one for the team indeed. Taking one for all yeah. of mankind. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds more like it. Uh, so that's the premise and uh, what the song's um, all about. And uh, the music video was um, filmed at the Minneapolis Armory and was directed by a guy called Francis Lawrence, who has also directed videos for Rihanna, Brittany, Missy Elliott, and has actually directed a few of the Hunger Games movies, plus I Am Legend and other films as well. That's a brilliant film. I love that film. I Am Legend. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh, it really is today. The movies that Lauren hasn't watched podcast. Hmm, I'm very I've glad never, to see the shoe is landed I've on the other foot for a change. <laughs> I do like Will Smith as well. Would give it a go. It's, and it's a zombie movie. That would not be my genre of choice, mm-hmm. but it's. I think it's really good. Really good. Okay. So um, this, this music video then, obviously, it features the band playing the song and then it's intertwined with bits from the film. And it features Liv Tyler, who, so in the movie, she plays a, a character called Grace Stamper. And so she's like the daughter of Bruce Willis in it. And her like boyfriend is um, Ben Affleck, basically. Um, oh, and then just before filming the, the video for this, apparently, uh, while Aerosmith were on tour, Steven Tyler suffered a ligament injury when a microphone stand fell onto his knee. Um, he was able to finish the show that they were doing at the time, but then they had to cancel a few dates afterwards. And he had to apparently wear a leg cast while filming this video. So that's why they have a lot of close-up shots of him in this because he actually quite limited in his movement at the time. So there's no real way to Tom. I know. <laughs> there's no real hopping about and dancing for, uh, mm-hmm. for Steven Tyler here. The video opens, of course, on a shot of outer space. And the camera pans past the moon, past this asteroid that's headed to kill mankind, and then zooms into the Earth, straight into Aerosmith. And um, so Steven Tyler starts singing. He's looking all shaggy-haired and disheveled, as usual. And uh, the lighting's really cool and blue-toned and not quite black mic, but close enough to it. Just dramatic, I suppose. And then it changes so that we're seeing Steve and Tyler and the band on the screens in what is like NASA headquarters, I'm guessing. And they're surrounded by all the, the dials and controls. And that in that moment, it also kind of looks like, you know, like a recording studio engineer's controls as well, I suppose. 
Um, but then Han moves some buttons and then another room lights up, revealing Aerosmith and like an, a backing orchestra really playing the song in mm. uh, this NASA headquarters place. So this essentially is footage from the movie cut with the Aerosmith performance. And it, I mean, it's pretty well done, to be fair. Like we've got like staff members, rocket scientists, whoever they are, standing and watching the screens. We cut to like people in their homes watching that on the TV. We get clips of uh, Bruce Willis and Liv Tyler playing the father and daughter in the movie, plus then Liv rolling around with the young scamp Ben Affleck. <laughs> and then like the rocket is unveiled behind Aerosmith and we get close-ups of all the band members at this point. And I thought one of the guitarists actually looked a lot like, you know, the actor Bill Nye, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like in Love Actually, when he plays like a washed up rock star. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, that's what this guy looks like. And I'm not calling this guy or Aerosmith washed up. It's just like, yeah, that's the he's modeled his, he's modeled that on maybe <laughs> one of the English boys. I thought it was very similar. Mm-hmm. So uh, then we see all the these astronauts head into the, the ship, the shuttle, the rocket, what do you call it? Like, who knows? But that's what they're on the way to. Yeah, and rocket. At this point, I'm going to be very superficial and ask, who do you prefer, Ben Affleck or Bruce Willis? <laughs> no enthusiastic either way, then. Um, yeah, it'd be very much of a gun to my head sort of a scenario there, because um, <laughs> I could honestly leave both. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go... the both into space. I'm going to go Bruce. Oh, my God, I'm going for Bruce. Yeah, me too. Oh, well... That's not a surprise for me, though, is it? There's something about Ben Affleck that really annoys me. But yeah. then similarly for Bruce Willis, but I feel like he's, I don't know, there's just something about him. There's a comfort inside to him. I feel like mm. a familiarity with him, even though I haven't seen any of the diehards. Or oh, let me. Fifth Element. Oh, shit, the tables have turned back again. <laughs> um, None of the diehards. None of them. I, well, I've seen all the Look Who's Talking movies, and that's good enough for me. And he does the voice in two of them. Oh, well. What else has he been in that I liked? Um, I liked him in Friends. Mm. Um, when he was Paul, was going out with Rachel. Um, what else? Actually, I think that's it, Lauren, to be honest with you. I liked him when he was going out with Demi Moore. Mm. Um, yeah. And same. That's it. Yeah. I can't think of it anymore. Okay. Well, yeah, Bruce would be my choice for sure. So then we have the so the space shuttle, whatever you call it, takes off behind Aerosmith, and they get like surrounded by a cloud of dust and smoke. Their hair's being all blown around as if they were really there. Mm. And then obviously we have trouble in space. You know, someone's tumbling through the air. Things seem to go wrong. There's like wee explosions. People on Earth are running out of their houses to see what's going mm-hmm. on. So clearly things are, are not going to plan. Space and, is really, uh, space a bit like the sea really scares me, Lauren. Like yeah. I, as a child, had a real phobia of space um, because my dad would have worked away a lot. Mm. And I remember thinking, I remember having a really vivid like horror thought that like one day he's going to come home and say he has to go for a job in space. <laughs> random. And... And uh, that'll be it. He's never coming back. Like I it was, know. yeah. Like it, like it was nothing. Like mm. I have to go up fucking Mars for a <laughs> thing. Uh, don't know how long I'll be. I'll be like, oh well, see ya. 
but yeah, I can't remember how old I was, but I just knew there was like just the the mm. expanse of space. Thinking, nah, mate, yeah. that's it. We're done. We're done. There, there's something about the vastness of it that yeah. I, I just don't like to think about it too much. And I'm the same. Same with the ocean. The ocean's I, very I vast. I can't deal with the ocean. I don't like going and no. I don't even like really going in the sea. To be fair, no. um, no. have a bit of a phobia about like whales, and I mean that. Oh my god, so badness. do I? Oh, how did we never figure this out before? Lauren, <laughs> I, I get trolled. Like, I get it. trolled by my cousin who sends me shit about whales oh, no. that like, come up to the surface and like, you know, maybe nearly knock a kayak over or, and you know what? I think whales at their heart are harmless, but, but they are, their, but their sheer size, I yeah, think they would they eat me without me. even realising. That's you know, the thing, like I would. Do you know when you see footage them? of like a boat and I see a big boat and a mm-hmm. whale underneath the surface beside yes. it and it's just, ginormous oh, it gives me chills i can't or we should my set up a skin, support group i think there's yeah. more people my skin's calling thinking about that <laughs> i think we should maybe it. put a poll on would it be worthwhile us setting up a support group for whale phobics because <laughs> you know, there's probably place, the yeah. community centers are opening soon i think we would have spaces <laughs> available we can talk about this um we could do like exposure therapy where we have to watch free oh, Willy every week <laughs> Oh, do you know what? I don't mind an orca. An orca doesn't bother me because are they not part of the dolphin family more than the whale family? It's still creeping me out a bit. I don't mind an orca. Don't mind it. Um, It's like I remember being uh, on like a a boat trip um, when I went to, to, I went like kind of traveling, I guess, Mm. for like only a very short period of time. And on the boat, we were in like, we were in Nicaragua and we were off the coast of Nicaragua and um, like, developing country very very poor country we're on this boat and it was great crack but there's no toilet on the boat mm, so we were God. told listen guys if you need the loo you're gonna have to jump into the sea Jesus. and we've been out there for a while and I was like I need a bathroom break here just for a wee and I they were like right well in you go so I jumped in and I was like as soon as I got in the fear struck me and it was like because I was so desperate to get back out again nothing mm. was happening <laughs> so I was like nearly, right. in connections, <laughs> nearly in tears because I was like with every second that I wait here, a shark is getting closer to me, yeah. or God only knows what is like lurking below me. It was horrible. Oh my God, I never climbed onto that boat quicker once I got, got myself oh, yeah. sorted. Well, but oh my God, no, I don't like the sea either. No. Um, and then, like you mentioned, sharks obviously can't stand the thought of a shark either, never mm. mind whales. They're but so ugly. Did, did you ever go on the Jaws ride at Universal yes. Studios in Orlando? Couldn't yes. you hope? Couldn't and it was hope. just metal. It was just a bloody machine. I know. Um, I mean, of course, it's basically to sit by the edge, like the adults too. were like, no. And I was like, this is abusive. There was little children on that Jaws ride handling it better than I was. I mm. was digging into his arm like my nails, you know, like <laughs> pet, like white knuckles, yeah. like couldn't look at this thing. Why would he not swap with you? I don't know. I can't remember how we end up, you know, in the order that we end up shuffling onto this boat on. But I was. Yeah, connections mm. wouldn't be in it. Like, yeah, that exposure therapy or I, something. I, was, I don't know, but even though you know that's a thing, thing coming at you, it's just like no. Can't yeah, be. but it's still like, and you can feel the heat from like a flame. Like that, mm. that ride's gone now. I as know. Well. They've, I was, they've, they've shut that off. Kind of disappointed. Really sad, yeah, the, the sharks still there. Thought, like, I think that that would um, stand the test of time. We went to a thing. It was like a London dungeon thing, and. Um, like there were two parts of it the second part people they made it very clear it was like one of those things where like you're walking mm. through you know those kind of like very virtual haunted houses where there's someone like a chainsaw chasing oh, you that kind yeah. of thing and 
that was the second part of it. And they made it very clear that, you know, this part is a lot more intense than the first part. So any children, you know, there's a, a way of exiting the ride whenever or the experience once mm. we finish the first part. And so a few people got off, some of the smaller kids went. So it was basically just adults. And I thought I was at the back, but in actual fact, I was at oh, the front no. because you had to sit in this row of seats. So we all had to like do like, I was going to say human centipede, but that, <laughs> that gives the wrong image. We all had to like put hands on each other's yes. shoulders. And my husband is behind me and would not swap with me. So I was the sacrificial lamb for these arseholes from all four corners of the world you know and there we were back in the days when we were all able to mix and um it was awful like all I remember saying over and over and over was you're not allowed to touch me you're not allowed to touch me <laughs> like to the actors because that's all I could think of but in actual fact I think they were very sympathetic to the fact that I was the first to go in mm. and I didn't get any because the fear was enough oh, people from the back were getting tormented oh, so I was actually okay in the end Seriously, I I couldn't deal with that either. Lord above, that. I would I would have a heart failure. To be honest, if I had to go through mm-hmm. one of those things. Yeah, but it was still fun. Good good exercise for the <laughs> good cardiac. adrenaline rush. I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> the last day we were burnt a few calories in the process. We went to like uh, Port Aventura in October, and uh, so there was obviously a lot of Halloweeny stuff going on at the the theme park there. And uh, I he had to go into the haunted house alone. I refused to go to go mm-hmm. in. Stand outside, like, no, nope, not going near it. I just couldn't deal with it. Have you met on his own? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, like, he said it was fine. Ghost, Barry's ghost train scared me as well. Yeah, I went on it once as a child, and that was never again. The, the phobias are deep rooted, you know. It was always like, uh, you know, you'd go to different rides, like, are you ready to go on the ghost train? Or, no, not yet. We'll go <laughs> on the um, satellite again. Oh, dear. How the Don't hell did we end up with phobia corner here? What was I talking about? I know, sorry. <laughs> uh, oh, I think it was all the stuff like someone flying through. We're talking about space. Someone flying though. through space, yeah. never go wrong. <clears throat> so, uh, like, spoiler alert for if you haven't seen Armageddon, like, big space rock gets blown up, of course, but uh, left Tyler's crying, Ben Affleck's crying, Bruce Willis is dead. You know, he's had to sacrifice himself for. He hasn't had a chance mankind. to cry yet. <laughs> and. Uh, so in the movie, obviously, Liv is, like, I imagine crying and touching the screen because her dad has just died and this is like, you know, oh, God, he's gone. Oh, the feedback, yeah. it's, it's the satellites, um, yeah, it's cut out. It's kind of, like, in, in the music video, then it's her real-life father who's on the screen as she touches it. So, well, like, parallel there, apart from the death part, obviously. And the, the video ends with a devastated Liv crying as the, the screen turns to, like, static. So, um, yeah, as I'd mentioned, the song was the band's first number one hit and um, the only song to date by a rock band to debut at number one on the American Billboard Hot 100, apparently. It has since become a slow dance staple and at the time it reduced Aerosmith and Steven Tyler to a new generation, i.e. the millennials or such as ourselves. Oh, I never heard of you before. Oh, my God. <laughs> so uh, the, there we go. If there's now Gen Zers listening, we pass this Aerosmith masterpiece and knowledge on to you, like an heirloom, you know. We pass on the baton. You can learn about baton it. Baton of knowledge. And appreciate Stephen Tyler. So, um, yes. obviously, this song. Don't take it for granted. 
this song brought Aerosmith like into the mainstream, um, even though they'd been more on the go for 28 years at that stage already. Um, mm-hmm. And I think a big example of this is uh, the fact that in 2011, Steven Tyler made this debut appearance as a judge on American Idol, which you'd already mentioned. So that was mm-hmm. for the show's 10th season. He did two seasons as a judge there. And so, like you wouldn't see many rock singers on those kind of shows. So yeah. I think that apart from obviously his fantastic like singing ability, his more mainstream popularity would have definitely contributed to getting that gig because like rock bands tend to not be in the mainstream. They're not in the Hot 100. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not hitting the, the mainstream audience, really. Mm-hmm. So uh, that kind of crossover helped him, I think, become yeah. um, part of shows like that and much more well-known in that way. But I would put him in a similar category as like the likes of Lionel Richie. I already said Lionel Blair there. Lionel okay. Richie, who, who, who is also a judge on mm-hmm. American Idol. Um, like, I put the category of, you know, Lionel Richie is, I mean, yeah, he's, he's, he's probably a similar age to Stephen mm-hmm. Tyler. And they, they, ha- they were at their best. They've already had their best, basically. They've kind of reached like a legend status, mm-hmm. I would definitely see Steven Tyler as that, um, even though, like, you know, they only had one, like, number, like, debuted number one and all the rest of it. Like, I still think Aerosmith, they, they definitely had a tour in the last, like, maybe, obviously not in this last year and a half, but they, or a year, I should say, but they definitely had a tour and it sold out, like, it was a UK tour, it sold out so quickly. Yeah. And that would have been all oldies, mainly, like, or any kids that grew up listening mm-hmm. to Aerosmith that are maybe our age now. Um, but yeah, I kind of see him as a bit like that. Like, I mean, Lionel Richie, he was due to have a concert last summer, I think, in Botanic or Boucher wow. or somewhere. And somebody said, oh, do you want to go? And I was like, I literally like two of his songs. Yeah. No, I don't want to go. So like, and I feel like I would prefer to go to Aerosmith because mm. I feel like I know more of their songs. So I'd see them before I'd see Lionel yeah. Richie. Like, Oh, same. Um, uh, in recent times, actually, Aerosmith had started a Las Vegas residency um, in April, oh April 2019. But that was actually cut short, of course, due to the ongoing Pondery play. So I think they were, they were kind of doing a bit in Vegas, but they were still doing like tours maybe around America and stuff. So mm-hmm. they were a bit back and forward. Um and then in 2019, they had also announced that they were going to do a European tour in 2020. Obviously, that has now been postponed to 2022. And uh, so, yes, yeah, I mean, still on the go, still doing tours for Flip's sake in Europe. Mm. But um, obviously now it'll be next year before they're able to do that. And um, it's just like, I don't know. I mean, there's so many, I suppose, groups and artists are, are going through the same stuff with postponing and yeah. uh, rescheduling stuff. But um Hopefully it all does get to take place for the next year. Oh God, I hope so. I'm not that I'm going to America anytime soon, mm. but if I was, I'd be like, sign me I, up. I find myself in Vegas and they were doing a residency. I yeah. definitely want to go. Why not when you're there? I mean, I know that I I did kind of flout the idea to mm-hmm. our group of friends in the WhatsApp group about Vegas and it was very swiftly dismissed. No one was willing to make the transatlantic journey, but I still would be there. Did I dismiss it? still be I can't remember, but I felt the the vibe overall was no. Let's go to fucking Galway, um, essentially. Here, um, I do, if I I can't remember if I was for or against Vegas, I 
either way, sign me up because I'm scornered. Let's go. Well, I think we were talking about our 40ths, which Oof. are a wee ways yeah. away. <laughs> um, but I've been to Vegas once. really mm. enjoyed it. Half of the time was spent attending like fight events. Yeah. It was the car front of fight. So it was the way in, the fight, the after party. <laughs> and that was just your like, idea of the first day. <laughs> oh my, the first day was just getting your bearings because yeah. you were shattered. And then, you know, people say it's, it's definitely not a city that you can spend like, I think a week is fine. Mm-hmm. Like there's loads to do. People say that's too long. And I'm like, well, no, there's still plenty you could be getting on. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? There's plenty you could do in a week. So I would still very much be fighting the corner of Vegas um, when the time yeah, comes. Because um, like I say, I did really enjoy it. And yeah, I'm not going to give up on that dream. So I'll do Galway as well. <laughs> thank you. But I'm still going to Vegas whether I'm by myself or not. Airbnb in Galway followed by a week in the High Rollers suite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, like I want to stay in the Bellagio, yeah. Lauren. I want to stay in the Bellagio. I don't even care if it's like a suite. I just want to stay somewhere like a nice a nice hotel. It's in a nice location. Or even Caesars mm-hmm. Palace. Because Caesars Palace has the in shops, like the in shops, like the ones in Belfast. <laughs> they have like stores, yeah. like, and it's amazing. And they have the Cheesecake Factory. And I would eat every meal of the day from the Cheesecake Factory if it was a possibility. Well, that sounds good to me. But yeah, sorry, once again, we digress. <laughs> Sign me up for Vegas, get her booked. Um, no. Cool. So, yeah, it hasn't always been like smooth sailing for Aerosmith. The band have had their problems, as I'm sure, like most groups, you know, artists that don't work alone, you know, obviously do. But uh, it would seem that in an interview in August of 2020, Brad Whitford, the guitarist, was asked what the future of Aerosmith looked like. And his response was, I don't really know what they want to do. And I don't really care because, um, truthfully, I'm not interested anymore. Citing ongoing dysfunction within the band. So, like, that's a bit shady, Brad. Um, no harm. I, I'd only heard of Brad tonight. That's the first time I knew Brad was in the band, so I can I can understand why. He's <laughs> but um, yeah, so hopefully they can uh, resolve their issues going forward mm. and and do their tour next mm-hmm. year as their. But you know what, Brad? Tour. You're getting all those goddamn royalties, and nobody knows what your face looks like. <laughs> so shut up. All right. You don't need to deal with the shit and the pressure and the yeah. paparazzi they, uh, like our Stephen does. He's still enjoying the anonymity of. Uh, uh-huh. The normal right. life. We say this like You've achieved we, it. Don't we don't know you. I don't know her. <laughs> Who is she in <laughs> memory of Nikki Graham? All right. Oh God, very sad. I was very sad to hear that now. Yeah, that's gotten. Um mm. I'll just finish off with some of the comments under this Aerosmith video on YouTube. I mean, it, it's very much the same sentiments throughout, really. Um, this is one of the most beautiful songs. That comment has 17,000 likes. So a lot of people agree in there. When the homies are gone and you can listen to non-hip-hop songs, mm-hmm. um, the people who disliked this need a COVID test because they have no taste. Love that. Why don't they make songs and movies like this anymore? Well, I don't know about the movie, but the song, sure. Mm. Um, and then this is a kind of sad comment, but my dad recently passed away two days ago. This was his song to me. He told me the day I was born, he was driving me home from the hospital this song had just released, and since then, it's always been mine and his song. So, uh, you know, oh, that's really touching. That's that's, that's a nice thing to know, isn't Poignant. it? I like that. I'll end with it's that nice moment. when you have a song, you know, like and it's a song like that. It's not a really silly song. Mm-hmm. 
whether it's silly or not, it's still, you know what I mean? It'll still hold sentiment, you know, but like, yeah. I think that song at the same time is a cheesy song, but I'm mm-hmm. like not the cheesiest. Any movie soundtrack, I think, is is very um, vulnerable to that kind of um, label. Um, yeah, sure. And I mean, that song, I think it's a brilliant song. I love his voice. My favorite part, see anything where a violin gets coming or like mm-hmm. a crescendo of strings. I love the end of that song. You know, mm-hmm. I love that. That's like chef's kiss perfection <laughs> for me. Yeah, it's um, another one I think we've mentioned like the, the phrase stands the test of time a few times mm-hmm. in these episodes, but this one definitely does. Like, mm-hmm. I wonder if it's, I'm sure it's been a first dance at weddings many, many, yes, many times over. I would say so. Um, so, and just yes, slow dances on many a night out. Mm. Um, oh God, I, I never, I, I never slow dance with a person, Lauren, in all of my adolescence. Never. Slow oh, danced. me neither. Me neither. Did you not? I feel no. like you would have. Well, like uh, kids' disco and stuff. Yeah, because you were, you were dead. Like I was, like literally, like chained to radiator as, as an adolescent. Um, not because I was a tear away, but just to prevent that from happening. I feel like <laughs> you and our group of friends definitely had more of a social life. Um, and like it would have been more of like a weekly thing where you would have gone mm. to wherever, you know, whichever um, club rooms were entertaining the kids at the time. Yeah, well, that said, it wasn't a while lot of slow dances going on in you know, some of those places either. It was just the happy hardcore. Yeah, very mainly. much that. Um... <laughs> I know you want me, baby. <laughs> you know, that dreadful Eminem Superman <laughs> remix. <laughs> oh, Christ. Oh, I was thinking of him. At the end of every week, he's <laughs> You love that song, Lauren. I know, I associate that song with you because you loved it. <laughs> come, with, come with me. <laughs> oh, God. Tune. God, you reminded mm. me of that one. Do you know what, what, what popped up on Spotify? I was searching for this the other day. Spain thought, stick my tune on. Listen to it. You know, mm-hmm. typing in Spotify, I don't want. And you know what popped up? Oh, no. Oh, please. Tell me. <laughs> don't want no short dick, man. <laughs> Eeny weeny, teeny weeny. <laughs> Little bitty short. <laughs> what the fuck is that thing? That oh, next dear. to Billy Button. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, th- that made my week. And <laughs> that made oh do you know what just for context that song is so funny because we both would be really avid listeners of the now uh, retired hopefully to return at some point boy time podcast mm-hmm. starring dave elliott and shane todd and they opened an episode singing that song but in different styles so <laughs> they sung it as michael jackson they sung it as um dizzy rascal they sung it as the pet shop boys they sung it as Paolo Nutini. It was oh. like, it was just so good. It was I a highlight for me. Um, I really enjoyed that one. I re-listened to that clip of them doing it and wet myself at the Michael Jackson bit. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. I can't do it. I can't I mean do it. It. <laughs> it was the fact that Shane tried to do do what he thought sounded like Michael Jackson and then mm. Dave just smashed. Oh, yeah. uh, that is it. You've done it. <laughs> Very good, very good. I think I've spent about, that's 
taken up to about what the 50 minute mark are we on so yeah yeah I think it's safe to say guys that you know we hope you've enjoyed this week's episode (laughs) and we hope you'll stay with us for the part two where we're gonna go and have a wee nosy at our girl Celine and the big old Titanic (laughs) Celine and uh, this podcast shall go on for another day oh, and on and on this podcast shall go on and on <laughs> clearly fabulous, so um fabulous. yeah we'll, we'll wind this one up here um so thank you all for listening hope you mm-hmm. enjoyed a trip down aerosmith lane and mm-hmm. uh you know sorry for spoiling armageddon if you haven't watched it and if you haven't uh, watched it right now you're not gonna watch it sorry <laughs> um 23 years on so if you uh, want to give us a like and a subscribe, that would be great. And you can follow us on Instagram at Video Chat Podcast. And we have a Facebook page too. So we'll leave that there for today. And talk to you next week. Bye. Bonjour. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was I was going to say au revoir or say something because Celine's French-Canadian. <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. Sorry, guys. <laughs> and I did GCSE French as well. Au revoir. Oh, Au revoir. Oh,